we're doing a series, we're in the middle of doing a series on overcoming, and uh, today I want to focus on this negative talk that we often encounter in our own brains. Like, you know, we'll just have these negative voices, like we're just not good enough, or why do we do that, or why am I so stupid, or why does nobody not love me, or, you know, you know, all these kind of like crazy thoughts that uh, can be debilitating, but yet when you talk about them, it's like, really? I mean, you know, we can overcome these things, yet uh, they can be really paralyzing. Uh, I, I want to share a story uh, as an opener with you about a company called WeWork. And uh, if you've been following the, the financial news, uh, this has been a hot topic uh, recently because uh, they're trying to do an IPO, which is initial public offering, which has been one of the biggest IPOs this year, uh, which for most of you, you couldn't care less, but for the business world, uh, this is a big deal because it's where little companies get listed on the stock exchange for the first time, and they can take what has been proven to be a great business model, and then when they go public, they then have access to a lot of money to then develop it in a way that you could never do uh, with private funding. So uh, this story is particularly intriguing to me because it's one of the biggest uh, IPOs that was anticipated this year. They were expecting to raise $47 billion. Okay, not million, billion. Now, something went horribly wrong. Uh, the leader, uh, the founder, the CEO uh, crashed. So they, the, the company model is still great. They're still going to do the IPO, but they're probably only going to raise the paltry amount of $10 billion. So, you know, everybody's losing sleep. It's $10 billion, not $47, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But their story is really interesting. Well, it's interesting to me because if you, if you, you know, just reading their mission statement and their story, the big idea here is they're trying to create workspace that is community focused. So you basically, if you're a corporation and you want to rent space that's kind of hip and it's like the new kind of way of doing things, these guys rent out the space. So in Boston, they've got like 20 offices alone. Now, they're worldwide, but just in Boston, there's like 20 plus offices. So you rent space for them, and they've got all the cool little, you know, things where you have a soundproof office, and you all stand and do your computer stuff instead of sitting, and they've got a big cafeteria with nice leafy plants, and, you know, it's just a wonderful work environment. But the idea is that their big mission statement is you come in as an individual, but you become part of a family. You become part of a team. So everything's just going great. They start this company in, uh, in uh, 2010, and the thing, like, I mean, just has been exploding with growth. Then the problem. So the CEO is going to do some expansion work in Israel, and so they're on their privately chartered Learjet, and they fly over to Israel, and when they land there, the pilot, uh, you know, after they left the plane, the pilot walks through, and he finds this box full of drugs. And he's like, heads up to the pilot. I mean, he's like, that's it, I'm done. I will not bring, you know, uh, illegal uh, drugs into Middle East or into a foreign country, even if it, you know, Israel, not having it, and he just drops them and flies back. <laughs> he says, you can find your own way back. I know it's a private charter. I know you guys are worth millions and millions of dollars. But here's the question. 
I mean, if you scroll up, I mean, here's the guy, you know, just a good-looking guy and, he, and his wife. I mean, he's got, he's young, he's, you know, worth millions and millions of dollars. He's got a huge upside in terms of this, this company. And now he's had to resign. He's, you know, it's just, they're going to do it without him. Uh, but how does somebody that's got so much going for him, in every way, I mean, youth, good looks, money, uh, you know, can fly anywhere, do anything around the world. Because there's this small voice that all of us have to fight. And the small voice that was in his head was, I can party, I can do this, but there's got to be more. And, you know, <clears throat> for us lesser mortals, we think, how much more are you actually desiring or looking for? And he's saying, well, I want to party more, and I want to make more money, and I want to do more, I want to just more, more, more. Wait. Really? Is this voice in your head that this is not enough, that your future is not good enough, that you have to now do drugs? And it's not logical. I mean, we know with friends and family or yourself, if you've been involved with addictive uh, substances, or if you've been someone that's using, or you are using, uh, or you're an alcoholic, or were an alcoholic, you know that it's not logical. But it's super frustrating, because there's a voice in your head which says, I need more, or uh, I'm missing out, or you know, everybody else can do it, and didn't really have negative impact. I mean, we look at the football players or sports, you know, not just football, but I mean, they got these great contracts, they're in the best team that they want to be in, and then they do these stupid things. It's like, hello, like, why do you need to, like, use, or why do you need to abuse? I mean, like, what voice in your head is telling you to do this when you've got everything going for you? So we need to overcome this voice that's in our head that's just always saying, we're a loser. If we do something else, you know, we'll make more or we'll be better off. I mean, the other voice that we have in, in our heads is one of loneliness. I mean, we can live in these densely populated cities or in the suburbs, uh, you, you know, and we say we're just so lonely. Uh, we just feel like we need more. Or, you know, if you're looking on Instagram or Facebook, everybody's posting such awesome time and I'm just such a loser. I mean, like, I don't get to go there and do this. And, and I'm just like, you know, and this voice comes in my head, in your head, that says, I'm missing out. I'm, nobody loves me. I have no future. Uh, you know, if only, uh, or there's just anxiety uh, over, over, typically, often, it's over money. The, um, in fact, um, the American Psychological Society uh, just said that they've been doing a survey since 2010, and they said that the number one anxiety-producing issue is finances, is money. In America, every year they've done this survey, and every year it's been finances is the number one anxiety-producing issue. Which, when you think of it, living in the wealthiest country in the world, that seems like daft. But on the other hand, when we live in this country, we say, yeah, finances are a major stressor, which is actually what we're going to do in November. We're going to do a whole series on uh, finances, uh, how we can you know, overcome this, these issues. But it's the issue of feeling inadequate. It's the issue of trying to deal with this voice that's in our head that says we are not good enough or there's something else there which is 
going to be better and wonderful. Technology spoke too long, thing timed out on me. The other issue which is plaguing us as a country is the issue of suicide at the moment. And again, the American Psychological Association has just published uh, really worrying trends in uh, America where our suicide rate has gone up dramatically uh, by 33% in the last uh, 20-odd years. And, you know, they're trying to figure out, like, why? And it's, there's no one answer to it. But there is, at the bottom of this, this voice in our head which is saying, I need to take my life. I am a loser. This is not going to work out. It's, you know, it's so bad. Uh, I'm so distraught. And there is no one simple answer. But I want to just press into this idea of listening to this voice that says that we are desperate. And what I want to suggest, the big idea of my message this morning is, we can get rid of that voice. We can overcome this bad, ridiculous inner voice which is speaking to us and telling us that we are a loser. We can do it. Uh, and we can do it uh, because we can experience the power and the love of the Lord. We can also overcome it because of you and I. We can speak truth to each other. When, when you're in a crisis, you know that you're not thinking clearly. And a parent or a friend is super helpful of making you understand what's up and what's down and seeing reality for the way it is. And normally, it's not as bad as what we think it is. But we do need each other to help overcome our anxiety. Uh, it, it, it's just the way it is. You know, sometimes we think uh, the best thing that could ever happen to us uh, is like we'll just win the lottery or make millions. There was a, a middle school teacher in Michigan. Uh, she just inherited a fortune from her, par from her parents. And all of a sudden now she has an anxiety attack because she's like, I'm going to mess up my dad's legacy. So, you know, even inheriting a lot of money doesn't mean that your life is going to be super easy. No, it's not. It can be super complicated. Uh, but how do we get the right voices in our head? How do we listen to truth? How do we overcome these negative thoughts? Let me pray. Jesus, we just welcome your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each person here today. Lord, I just pray that we would hear your voice, your voice of love, your voice of encouragement, your voice of support. Lord, that you help us to overcome all our problems. And Lord, we just lean on you and we invite you to speak to us and that we can hear your voice. In your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to uh, start with the scripture. Look, we, we're doing a series out of the, the, the letters of John. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Today I'm going to be uh, jumping all around, but in 1 John. Uh, and I want to start where Stephen left off uh, last week with verse ch uh, 1 John chapter 5, uh, verse 19. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of of the evil one. Okay, just let that penetrate for a second. We are children of God, if you've received Christ, 
and the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Okay, if you meditate on that verse for a little bit, a lot of things jump out at you. One is that evil is in control for this time period. Uh, it's a partial answer to why uh, bad things happen to good people, or rephrasing it, why if, uh, if God is so loving, does he allow all these really terrible things to happen? And the partial answer is, we know that we are children of God, and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Now, if you're a Christian and you've experienced the evil one's activity in your life, you recognize it. If you are not a believer, this just sounds like blah, 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 evil one, yeah, right. How do you have personal evil and blah, blah, you know, how does... Wait, I am telling you that there are things that we do that we just do because we just make wrong decisions and we have negative impact. But there's also... Uh, the activity of the evil one, and part of it is putting doubt in our minds. It started right in the Garden of Eden. That was the whole thing. You know, really? You know, if you eat this fruit, will you, will you really be like God? You know, it's the, accu it's the accusations of the evil one saying, no, let me challenge truth. And when we have these thoughts in our own mind, like we should just take our lives, we losers, nothing's going to happen. Really? Would you put that thought in your mind? I don't think you would put that thought in your mind. Would God put that thought in your mind? I don't think God would put that thought in your mind. But the evil one would put that thought in your mind. Absolutely. So whether you like have a grid for this and you say, no, no, you know, I just, I can't grasp that. It just sounds too much or not. I'm just suggesting or planting a seed that the activity of the evil one is something that we can recognize and counter. Or you can just be blindsided. I mean, you know, uh, I firmly believe doing life with Jesus is a whole lot better than doing life without Jesus. Uh, I just do. It's my bias. So let me read this, uh, this verse to you. 1 John 2, 16 and 17. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God, does what pleases God will live forever. Another great verse, right? Where are your cravings coming from? And the Bible is saying is if you start craving these things, you're sort of feeding into this pattern of the world. This is what the world will feed you. And it can go well for you. And it can be totally catastrophic for you. You know, our opening story uh, with we work. Well, time out again. Everybody says I speak too fast, so that's a good way of slowing me down. Let me just uh, suggest, if you open your bullets, and I've got a few thoughts that I want to focus on here. One, it, The first one is, it's not about your lacking, it's about Jesus' empowering. Uh, if, if you keep focusing on what you're lacking, 
you will always feel inadequate. But if you focus on God's help and God's empowering of us, you will always feel supported and you'll always feel like you can do it, you can get through, you will be you know, successful and you will be able. Uh, so I encourage you to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He will be the person that helps you. If you're fixing your eyes on Facebook and on Instagram and you're feeling bad as a result, take your eyes off that and put them on the Bible. It'll just like inspire you a whole lot more. On the other hand, if you like looking at Instagram and Facebook and, and it's just great for you, I mean, just keep doing it. I mean, it's not like it's evil in and of itself. I'm just saying that if you know, you're feeling like less than or out of touch or whatever, that's when you need to take note of it. But if you're feeling like you know, you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not liked enough, whatever, then you need to recognize that this is not healthy inner speak to yourself. Because God is looking at you and saying, you are pretty enough, you are good enough, you are smart enough. If we look at another great verse, uh, 1 John 4.18, Love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid... It is for the fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. Love expels all fear. If you're feeling fearful, what you need to do is experience love. Uh, sometimes we need to do the exact opposite of what it is that we're experiencing. If, if, you, if you're fearful... Uh, it's not helpful to keep dwelling on being fearful. You, you kind of have to like look at the opposite and say, no, God loves me and I can experience His perfect love. God is love, 1 John 4, 16. And all who live in love live in God. God lives in them. God wants to live in us. He wants to help us. He wants to be part of us. God wants to be active in our lives if we will let Him. 1 John 4, 9, 10. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. One of the things that we got to fight with our negative thoughts is to just not enable them. Uh, and when we are dealing with our friends or our kids that are, you know, have addictive personalities or are dealing with substance abuse, we know that it's very difficult for us to know where is the line between enabling bad behavior and loving them. It's just a hard line. But I'm telling you that love wins out. Parents that love their kids will win out in the end. And if you can't navigate that line super closely, I've seen it again and again. Where We've had unbelievable parents in this church where their kids have done something stupid or made a mistake. And the parents' love is just like through all that pain. They've just loved the kid. I mean, they really want to wring their neck. But, you know, it's like, it's my kid. I'm just going to love them through it. And... By doing that, just loving them, great things have happened as a result. We all need to experience unconditional love. Now, God can provide it the best, but we, in image of God, can help, and in some sense, can also be loving in an unconditional way. 
Parents have a great ability to do that, but we as friends for others can also help support and be loving towards others. The second point I want to make if you're following your bulletin is the way out of darkness is to follow his light. Uh, the way out of darkness, darkness, by darkness I'm meaning, you know, you just go in these dark places. You feel depressed. You can't get your mind out of it. You feel uh, lonely. You just, you, you would know. You'd say, I'm in a dark place, which would be discouragement. The way out of that is to let the light of God in. And sometimes it's the hardest thing in the world to do because you're feeling embarrassed or you just want to pull up the covers and just not get out of bed. But what God is asking you to do is do something that's counter to the way you're feeling. It's to bring it into the light. Invite Jesus in or get together with a friend and say, I am really battling. I'm feeling depressed. Just by saying that to somebody, you've now exposed darkness to light. And once light is into your problem, the light will expose the darkness. And if you allow the light of Jesus to expose the darkness that you're dealing with, it is powerful. It is really, really powerful. So part of the, the, the solution here is recognizing that I'm in a bad, dark place, I'm struggling, and then to firstly bring it to God. And secondly, bring it to some friend, a family member, somebody you can confide in. But by doing that, it brings it into the light. One of the things that I've seen God do again and again in a totally, uh, I I would say, mysterious, but I'd also say supernatural way, is to replace what has been a painful uh, situation in your life, uh, a painful memory, Uh, a violation of who you are uh, that you feel ashamed of and you just kind of keep it in this darkness. I've seen God again and again change that situation, not remove it, not remove the memory, but take the sting out of that memory by having Jesus be part of that situation, by allowing you to sort of not relive it, but to ask Jesus to be part of that horrible negative experience. You're bringing something that was difficult in your past into the light of Jesus and allowing him to heal you or heal that memory or that issue. It's powerful, but we need to bring it into the light. Jesus is light. Light just in the natural is cleansing. It's powerful. Uh, It removes darkness. It removes shame. 1 John 5, 6, 1 John 1, 5 and 6 says this, This is the message we have heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. God is light. Practice living in the light. By living in God, inviting God into your dark places. The last third point I want to make here from your bulletin is anticipating the rich and satisfying things of life that are just around the corner. We all need hope. I can say with great confidence that if you walk with Jesus, Jesus will give hope, 
personalized. He knows your situation. He knows your circumstances. And he knows that he is the only one that can provide hope. God can change your circumstances. And if he doesn't change your circumstances, he will empower you and be with you to walk through those circumstances. But God will give us hope. There is a future. There is hope around the corner for all of us. God knows where we're at and only God can do that. And so we need to be asking God and thinking about God and saying, God, I believe your promises. You know, one of the strongest like verses in the Bible, which I quote, I know a lot, maybe overquoted, is John 10.10. 10. The enemy came to rob, steal, and destroy. Now ask yourself, what voice is in your head? Is it the voice of the enemy? Is he trying to rob, steal, and destroy something from your life? Or in that same verse, Jesus came to give you life. He came to give you a rich and rewarding life, a rich and satisfying life. Now, once we accept that, that's what God wants for us. We can embrace that and expect that our life, as difficult as it will be, will be rich and rewarding because God will do it and he will empower us by his Holy Spirit. Have Jesus, have life. It's as simple as that. If we have Jesus, we have life. He is the author of life. The more we hang on to Jesus, the more life we can expect and experience. Wow, amen. One person's awake. No more negative talk. Let Jesus and the Holy Spirit be your advocate. How about you don't have to advocate for yourself? How about you don't have to prove yourself or justify yourself or promote yourself? How about you let Jesus do that for you? It's so much easier. I mean, you can just be you, knowing that you've got all your shortcomings and knowing that Jesus is in your corner and he just sees all the good attributes of you. He knows who you are. He knows how he made you. He knows what you, you love doing. He knows, and Jesus can help you to become all you should be. Let him be your advocate. 1 John 4, 4, the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Jesus can overcome the world. He has already. Jesus can overcome your problems. He has already. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to be within us and to move within us and let Jesus be Jesus. John 14, 26, but when the Father uh, sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. Everything, everything. The Holy Spirit can guide us about everything. I mean, there's nothing that the Holy Spirit can't help us sort out. Our sexual issues, our financial issues, our kid issues, our grandkid issues. I mean, you know, like there's nothing that's a mystery to the Holy Spirit. He wants to guide us. He wants to be our advocate. He wants to help us. Will we let him in? Let Jesus carry your burdens. I mean, he actually invites us to do that. He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I mean, that's just so like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, Jesus is saying, please, will you just like release him? Will you give it to me? I mean, can you let go? Can you stop holding so tight to the things that are bothering you? Can you just like claw your hands off the thing that's, 
you're holding on to and embrace the Holy Spirit. I mean, sometimes we hold on to all this yuck and craziness and really what God is saying, let go, put your hands together, just like pray. Ask the Lord to, to intervene in your life and move in your life. One of the names of Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He will counsel us, he will guide us, he will direct us. And, you know, I just say as a, a final thought here, let Jesus be the source of your power and wisdom by following him, and here's the hard part, and obeying him. It's in obedience that we experience his power. 1 John 3.24 Those who obey God's commands remain in fellowship with him, and he will be with them. And we know he lives in us because he gave us his spirit to live in us. His spirit lives within us. If we want to experience the power of God, God is asking us to believe in him and obey him as best as we can. Lord Jesus, I thank you that all our inadequacies, which are super real, and all the negative talk that we have in our head, we can really drive us crazy. Lord, that you have overcome them by simply dying on the cross. And we recognize that it wasn't that simple. But Lord, your act of dying on the cross has given us the ability to connect with the Father and we can stand before him in perfection because we've got your perfection. And Lord Jesus, we recognize that we do need to believe in you. We do need to obey you. And we do need to invite your spirit in our lives to move within us. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are faithful. You are faithful because you know our personal situation to empower us and get us through it. And we just thank you for that, Jesus. In your name, amen.